You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. today? Do you have the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings? Do you have the boldness and power to be witnesses? Do you understand the incredible resource that the Father wants you to have through the Holy Spirit? Or are you struggling in your Christian walk? Are you struggling in the way you live? Are you, are you, are you struggling with things that, that, that you shouldn't be struggling with? Are you, are you always falling backwards instead of moving forward? Maybe you're listening today and you're feeling a bit overwhelmed with life. Stay with us. First, please know you're not alone. This past couple of years have been some of the most difficult we've faced. Pastor Dave will provide some encouragement. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 14 as he continues his message, Orphans No More. And what's happening here? (laughs) Well, Jesus is simply replacing himself with a person that has exactly the same qualities that he has. So basically, Jesus is replacing himself with him. He's replacing himself with him. Same qualities, same characteristics, same attributes, but in a different format, in a different form. So I guess we need to answer the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, we know from his name, he's a comforter. He comes alongside us to bring comfort. He comes alongside us to bring comfort to us. And this is exactly what the disciples need right now. As I said, these disciples are in panic. They're in panic mode. They're really afraid. They don't know what's going to happen. But the Holy Spirit does a lot more than that. He teaches us all things and brings to remembrance the words of Jesus Christ. Have you ever been witnessing to somebody And all of a sudden, a scripture comes out of your mouth. You go, whoa, where did that come from? Holy Spirit brings that to memory of the scriptures that you know to come out. The Holy Spirit does that when he glorifies Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit always testifies of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit does not testify of himself, does not bring glory to the person who has the Holy Spirit in him or her, but always brings glory to Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He reproves the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He guides us into all truth. He shows us all things. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He shows us the things of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power we lack. The Holy Spirit gives us the power we lack. Acts 1 verse 8. And you will receive power after the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost portions of the world. The Greek word here for power is dunamis. Dunamis power, where we get our word dynamite. It's a dynamic power that is given to the believer, a power to live the Christian life, a power to resist temptation, a power to be his witnesses. 
Jesus now in verse 17 tells us about relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he gives us two different relationships. Let's read 17b. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. We've talked about this before, but it's important that we repeat it in the context that it's given here. He uses two Greek prepositions here. In the first one, with, he uses the word para. And the second one, in, he uses the Greek word en, E-N. This is the first relationship we have with the Spirit, the with. What does he do? He convicts us of sin. He's with us all along, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's testifying of Jesus Christ, testifying that Christ bore your sins on a cross and that you need to come to Christ for repentance. Come to Christ and be born again. You need to confess your sins. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. He guides you to the truth. He guides you into the arms of Jesus Christ. The second spirit, the second relationship is he will be in you. When you open your life to Jesus Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, believing in a sacrifice on the cross for your sins, you become born again by the Spirit. The Spirit then indwells you, comes inside. The Spirit now dwells within you. And there's a couple of scriptures here, specifically in um, Corinthians. In Corinthians 3, verse 16, says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And then in 6.19, he basically says the same thing again. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. And then he repeats the same thought in Romans, in Romans 8, verse 9. He repeats the same thought. Romans 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, Spirit of God comes in you and dwells within you when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But Calvary Chapel believes that there is another experience with the Holy Spirit. There's another experience with the Holy Spirit that comes along with it. And if you go back to the glorious chapter 1 of the book of Acts, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to ends of the earth. And here we have another preposition used for upon, and that's the epi, E-P-I, epi. The Spirit comes upon you with power. Some people call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus called it. That's what John the Baptist called it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people call it being filled with the Spirit. Don't matter what you call it, but I call it baptism because that's what Jesus called it. As long as you have it. It's one thing to have the Spirit dwelling in you. It's another thing to have the Spirit flowing out of your life where torrents of living waters, like Jesus preached in John 7, The Holy Spirit abides in the believer. He's a gift from the Father. He's the answer to Jesus' prayer. During his earthly ministry, Jesus guarded them. He guarded the disciples. He took care of them in every single way. He taught them. And now he would leave them. And the Spirit of God would come and dwell in their hearts to take the place of Jesus bodily. 
He said the world can't receive them. Why? Because he doesn't see them. See, the world lives by sight, not by faith. Everything we have, we have by faith in God. Everything we receive, we have by faith. I'm born again by faith. By grace through faith. I'm born again by faith. The Holy Spirit I have by faith. This was important. This was important. And then Jesus makes these final words. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Again, Greek words. The Greek word here is orphanos. Orphanos, which is where we get our word orphans. It means comfortless. He's saying, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You will have me. What a comfort this must have been for the disciples. What a comfort this must have been for those who are fearful and worried about them. This is the second time Jesus has said, I will come to you. They've known Jesus to be true. He says what he means and he means what he says. Maybe now they can face the next day because as you know, bad times are coming for these guys. Bad times are coming for these guys. Now remember, earlier we said that there was something different about these men and women. Something different about them. They were not superhumans, but there was something different about them. We said that the first thing that was different about them was they had been with Jesus physically. But the second thing that was different about them was they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit when they waited in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them. If you look at it, look at disciples before the Holy Spirit came upon them and after the Holy Spirit came upon them. There's a drastic difference, folks. A drastic difference. A, a huge difference. They started to preach boldly. They started to not fear man. They, they were preaching the word of God with, with, with courage and boldness and enthusiasm. They didn't dilute the message regardless of what it cost them. Because it was the Holy Spirit in them, in fact, Scripture is clear about this. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, these men, along with the Apostle Paul and the others who were there, Scripture says, turn the world upside down. They turned the world upside down. And if you want to look at it at God's point of view, they turned the world right side up. Because the world's pretty upside down as it is, but it becomes right side up when we give God the glory. Why? Because these men walked according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. They kept in mind the purposes of God, not the priorities of men. And they acted according to God's plans and God's method, not their own. Now what's sad, I think, about this is I believe that is one of the reasons why the church is not effective today. is because we're not relying on the Holy Spirit. We are not relying on the Holy Spirit to do what it needs, what he needs to do. Instead, we want to have programs. We want to take surveys. We want to have entertainment. We want to do this. We want to do that. Instead of depending totally upon the Spirit. What does Zechariah said? Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. We rely totally on the Holy Spirit. If you want to see other people saved, if you want to see other people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and I know all of you have family members, all of you have friends, all of you have relatives who are not saved. If you want to see them saved and you want to live the Christian life before them, we must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. On the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is saying that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to gain the courage and the boldness to be witnesses for him. We need to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he gives you supernatural power to know and to do his will, to share the gospel, to resist temptation, and to live a life pleasing to God. Look what Paul says about being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, in verse 18, Paul says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, which means excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one to another in the fear of God. The word filled here has different, many missed meanings. One of the meanings of the word filled is like filling the sails of a ship. This word filled has the idea of filling a sail of a ship and it carries it out to sea. So as we're filled with the Spirit of God, we fill our sails and he guides our course. He guides the way we should go. The original language carries the idea of being permeated, of being absolutely permeated. And here you have a picture of God who wants to take the Holy Spirit and permeate your lives in everything you say, everything you think, and everything you do. God wants that. It's a continuous filling. In fact, again, the Greek words here have the meaning of be ye being filled. It's a constant filling. It's a constant filling. You take a glass and you fill it with water, the glass fills up. But if you keep pouring, it overflows. The glass never gets down. It just stays full and it overflows. That's what it means to overflow with the Spirit. Overflow with the Spirit. The Spirit should infiltrate every area of our life. Every single area of our life, the Spirit should infiltrate our prayer life, our worship life, our business life. If you own a business, there should be the Holy Spirit permeating that business. You should act as a Christian. And it should especially permeate the way we treat one another. The way we treat one another in love. That's what the Holy Spirit does. As we choose to yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit, we will experience a dynamic change in the way we live. Your life will never be the same again. We, when we do this and when we yield to the Spirit, we make ourselves available to whatever God chooses. Ultimately, it's not for you to decide, us to decide the way we do. It's for God decides. It's his job, right? Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our part is to yield and be available. Be a willing follower wherever he leads. Maybe... Maybe you've been trying to live your Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what D.L. Moody says about this. Quote, You might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as to try to live a Christian life without the Spirit of God in your heart. It is through the Holy Spirit that we're able to live as God intended. Our lives can become holy and set apart for His purposes as we yield to His Spirit. I like that. So where are you today? Where are you today? Do you have the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings? Do you have the boldness and power to be witnesses? Do you understand the incredible resource that the Father wants you to have through the Holy Spirit? Or are you struggling in your Christian walk? 
Are you struggling in the way you live? Are you, are you, are you struggling with things that, that, that you shouldn't be struggling with? Are you, are you always falling backwards instead of moving forward? Maybe you've been born again. Maybe you have the Spirit dwelling in you, but you've never asked for the Spirit to come into your heart, to overflow you for the baptism of the Spirit. Why do I say that? I'm glad you asked. In, in Luke 11, in Luke 11, Jesus is talking about asking and knocking and seeking. And he says these words in 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Those who ask him. A simple request, I want the Holy Spirit. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many are afraid of the Holy Spirit because of the rap that he has gotten, unfortunately. But I'm not. I'm not afraid of anything that God wants to give me or what he wants for me. I want to always be open to what God would want of me or this church. I'm not least bit afraid that God is going to make a fool out of me. Trust me, I can do that all by myself. I'm not afraid of what God wants to do in my heart. If God wants me to have that, you know what? I want it. I want it more than anything. I've told you this before. I'm greedy when it comes to things of God. I want everything he wants for me. You want it for me, Lord? I want it. Let me have it. I want it. I don't have any preset ideas of what's going to happen. I don't have any preconceived notion of what isn't going to happen. I don't have any notions at all. I want God in my life, and I want him to accomplish anything he wants to with my life. I want to be available to him, open my life to him. I want to be totally open for anything he has for me. I need everything. I don't want any of the doors to close from God. I don't want to grieve the Spirit, and I don't want to quench the Spirit. I want to be open to what the Spirit wants to do. Why? Because I know he's a good, good father. I know that he loves me more than I could ever think of love being that way. And I know he loves me so much that he chose to give up his only begotten son so that he could fellowship with me. And he did the same thing for you. So he could fellowship with you because that's how much he loves you and that's how much he esteems you and that's how much he wants a relationship with you. He wants to fellowship with you. And I've told you this before, God didn't save Dave, me, to be a pastor. He saved me so I could fellowship with him. He saved me. Being a pastor is just icing on the cake. It's just a beautiful thing that he's chosen to do for some reason. I know he loves me. And he desires the best for you. He wants the best for you. That's his plan. I'm not afraid of anything that he wants to do in my life. He's a good, good father. And I pray that you're not either. I pray that you would want what he wants in your life. 
I pray that you are seeking him. I mean, you're here at 8.30 on a beautiful Sunday morning. Praise God. You could be putting your toes in the water. You could be watching jellyfish. You can do all that kind of stuff, you know. You could stay home and watch SpongeBob. I don't know. You could do all kinds of stuff. But you're here on a Sunday morning at 8.30. Praise God. You obviously have something in you that wants you to know. And God is loving the fact that you're here, that you're fellowshipping with the brethren. And he wants to do something mighty in your life. He wants to do something mighty. There's no coincidence as to why we go to church or where we're here or, or, or if you're a visitor. There's no coincidence that God brought you here today. He wants to do something within you, in your heart. I don't know. If you've never received him, maybe today's the day of your salvation. Maybe you need a profession of Jesus Christ. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, maybe today's the day. I pray that you would think. I pray that you would want what God wants for you. We know his perfect plan is salvation for everybody. His wish is that none would perish. We know that. That's his will. But he also has something here. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you hopeless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you all by yourself. You don't have to get through the Christian life alone. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send to you. I'm going to give to you. It's a free gift. Accept it by faith and yield to the Holy Spirit in your life. Yield to whatever God would have you do and want you to do. Oh, I can't explain to you how much God loves you, but he loves you so much. It says it's an everlasting love, a love that will never fade away, a love that will never go away, a love that never fails continues to pour that love out upon you. And all he asks of us is to believe, to trust in him and believe in him and follow him. He's got all these gifts he wants to give us, all these things he wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. He wants to see your family saved. He wants to see your neighbors saved. He wants to see those you work with saved and come into the kingdom of God. He wants that. That's what he wants. And for some unknown reason, he wants to use you. He wants to use us to reach them, to show them that love that he shows us, to show them. And they're going to look in, they're going to see the way we love each other, and they're going to go, there's something different about those guys. I thought they were crazy. I thought they were kooks. But you know what? There's something different about them. God wants to use you. He's waiting to use you in a miraculous way that we have no idea. Linda thought she wanted to go to the Philippines because that's where her dad was born. And you know what? God gave her the desires of her heart. She went on a missions trip to the Philippines. God wants to do a miraculous work in you. He wants to give to you the desires of your heart. So won't you continue to seek him with all of your heart? Continue to ask, knock, and seek. Ask him. Maybe you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come up after church and let us pray for you. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you need to come up after church and let us pray for you. Let's pray that the Lord would do something mighty in you and use you in a mighty way to touch others. Amen. You are the Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. 
Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.